Heavy Rain. Can you hear them out there? Uh, them. Listen, listen closely. They're there. I, we know they're there. Have you been watching The Last of Us? I haven't, actually. But who I'm talking about is the teeming masses of people listening to us right now. The general oh. adoring public out Not there. the clickers with the fungus fangs. Not the clicker. I haven't watched any of it, so don't say anything. You've ruined things for me before. I so just said fungus. Yeah, yeah. Now I know it's a fungus. Mm -hmm. I will stop talking about it episode three is a tear jerker mm -hmm. like you it, right in the field do you do we want to talk about the lip debacle thing again no 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 no. it's okay so it's again if it's already been talked about you know we can stop no so i'm listening to the teeming masses that are the not teeming clickers. masses make some noise out there folks we know you're there <laughs> by making noise i mean i guess try and reach out and contact us online we're around we're doing things or snap your fingers vigorously. Yes. We can hear that as well. While yes. you're listening, clap your hands, go to your nearest window, throw it open and yell out into the air. Whatever you want. I don't care. I just want to hear people yelling in the streets. That's my, that's what gets me off. Okay. Yeah, I'm a safe space for you to confess such things to. It's not true. Half the things I say in here aren't true. Maybe 5% of the stuff I say is true, except for the, the medical journals that I quote. That's true. All this so personal stuff. So you're confessing stuff, that you're a liar. I'm a liar, maybe. That could be part of the 5% of the truth. I don't know. Or it could be 95% of the things that I say that I don't mean whatsoever. So the difference between you and I, my friend, is that I say the truth. Well, I'm usually very truthful. Except for this podcast. Except for when I'm lying. Uh, okay. Mm -hmm. Noted. Yes. All right, well, let's move on from the lying. Okay, moving on from the lying. Thank you for, share, for sharing that with us. Now I know I'm going to be giving you the skeptical eye. You <laughs> should always give podcast. me the skeptical eye. Like I tell my girlfriend, I'm not serious about anything except for the things I'm serious about. Okay, well, it would help if you came with some cue cards and some post-it notes that describe what was happening. It's up to you and the listeners to figure Ooh, out what's really okay. going on. A challenge. I do have a callback. From last week, for those of you who didn't join us because you're not part of our Patreon family, you can go to patreon.com backslash Dirty Talk Podcast and join our Patreon community and get every episode every week that we do. So when we talk about things like this, you'll know what we're talking about. Be in the loop is what he's saying. Yes, always be in the loop. For those in the know, mm -hmm. have you noticed that when you learn something, all of a sudden it starts popping up and you start seeing it in various places? Maybe it's just because you've become aware of it. I have noticed that when I buy a specific brand of car, suddenly that brand of car is everywhere. Mm -hmm. And before I purchased that specific vehicle, I wasn't seeing it. And after I've purchased it, that vehicle's everywhere on the road. Well, it does have a lot to do with selective attention. Human beings mm -hmm. suffer from that. And it's also, there's a bias in that when you're looking for something, you are going to see it everywhere. And then you're going to start suspecting that it's just very common or more common than you previously thought it was just because you're intentionally looking for it. The honest truth is that we're not as exceptional as we'd like to be. There's 8 billion of us. There are different variants of you running out there. I hate to say it, but I'm it's sure. true. I'd love to meet my doppelganger someday. I don't know uh, if I've seen your brother and he looks like a healthy non-vampire version of you. That's what you say. Yeah. What I saw in the news over this last week, last week we talked about foreign accent syndrome, which we I did. hadn't really ever heard of before. This is if you get a head injury and or like a stroke or something like that, 
It can lead to you speaking in a foreign accent when you never had one before. This week, as I was doing research, I came across an article about a man who developed an Irish accent, but for the very first time, it was not from a head trauma or a stroke or anything like that that affected his brain. Do you know what caused his Irish accent? Not head trauma. Oh, could it have been a really high fever? It was not a really high fever. Um, some sort of illness. Yes, it's an illness. It has something to do with the body. It's his body not working well. Mm-hmm. Uh, epilepsy or a seizure? No, I'm just going to tell you. <laughs> because I mean, I we, could, we could be guessing all night and you might not get it. Prostate cancer. Prostate cancer gave this man an Irish accent. Yes, that's what the doctors are saying. What? This man who was in his 50s had been diagnosed with prostate cancer. And then after the diagnosis, he noticed that the tone and pattern of his speech started changing. And then about 20 months after he was diagnosed, the doctors reported that he had a very definitive (laughs) Irish accent that he had not had before. He had never been to Ireland. And he did have some Irish relatives and friends, but... Other than that, he had no real interaction with any Irish people, but it is the first known case they have found of somebody with prostate cancer developing an Irish accent. That's fascinating, and I could also see how that could conceivably happen because accents are the inflection with which we just pronounce words. So it's like you have a Southern accent, you have a Midwest accent, you have a New York accent, you have an Irish accent. We're saying the same words, it's just the tone with which we say them. So if your brain gets the slightest bit scrambled, it could be like, this is now how I pronounce these words with this tilt and this pacing and this tone. Yes. And now on, we did talk about last week about the Irish accent. So it's kind of funny for me in two parts that this came up first with the foreign accent syndrome and also how we went off so much about the Irish accent. Now I'm going to suspect anyone I meet with an Irish accent has prostate cancer. Are you going to ask them if they've gotten checked up? Yeah. Excuse me, sir. Can I stick my finger in your ass? You have an Irish accent, sir. Pardon me. Would you mind me checking your prostate for your own health? For our listeners, I would like to point out this is probably another set of circumstances in which my co-host doesn't actually mean it and that he's not going to shove his digits up your uh, brown eye. If he catches an Irish accent, yes, he's not actually a doctor. I'm not, but no. I do play one on this podcast. <laughs> as long as we're on the topic of butts, I have something for you. You always have something from the butt. I do. Yes, it's a it's a passion project of mine. It's something I'm deeply invested in. Passionate about the body. I am. As a matter of fact, it's uh, you know. Something I've dedicated a lot of time, energy, and thought to. I've admitted to being a Buddhist before. (laughs) Actually, okay, I have before we go any further. Mm. I do want to get to this. I do Mm. want to get to this. Somebody asked me recently if Mm -hmm. I was a breast man or a butt man. And I Mm -hmm. said that I was neither, that I like both. I appreciate both. They were wondering, if I asked you, what would you say if I were a boob man or a butt man? Maybe they weren't saying it has to be either or, but 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 I might have one preference 
towards oh, one don't. or the other? No, 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 you don't. That's what I find refreshing is that you're not super fixated on just one part of the human anatomy. Mm -hmm. You're more well-rounded. I am like fine breasts and buttocks. I'm very well-rounded. <laughs> that was deliberate. That was some low-hanging fruit. You're welcome. You walked right in and scooped up that Thank fruit you. and just plucked it and it. threw it in yeah. my mouth. Yeah, yeah, you did. Like yeah, you're you're not not one or the other, you know. And it's just like I and I I find that I appreciate that. Oh, thank you. When someone's like, it's the whole package and not narrowly defining just one part. Total. I have package. people all the time that are like, oh, it's all about the ass, man. Super into the ass. I I like me some ass. We know this about like yes. I, like breasts, like I prefer them to be uh, smaller and perkier, mm -hmm. and you know, uh, thrusting towards the ceiling. <laughs> Because preferably the person's on their back. No, it's so that's just, why they're thrusting up towards the ceiling. No, small and perky and upright and just boing boing ping 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 ping. Like trim on the front half and then just peach half on the back. But I'd have to say you're more well-rounded than mm -hmm. I because you're like it's a whole, you know, it's the whole picture. Yes, you're not just looking at one part of the picture. Exactly. Thanks for backing me up on this. I suspected that I was neither. I couldn't answer the question. I was like, both. I don't care. I like. Both. I, I appreciate it's, everything. It's, you're you're more well-rounded, and you don't have such a narrow focus. I think that speaks highly of you as a human, oh, and of an admirer of the female form. While we're on the topic <laughs> of butts, all right. Anyways, let's get back to your butts. Yes, butts. Let me talk important. about butts. Very important. Okay. Very, let's get serious. So. It's super serious. This okay. So I'm gonna bring down the podcast mm, just a little bit, okay. and I apologize. I'll try and bring it back up. Uh, you will have a chance after this. There are dramatic increases in anal cancer happening right now in the Midwest and the Southeast, okay. and we do not yet know why. We know it's very much happening, and we have some theories. South Carolina is having one of the most significant increases in anal cancer among women and anal cancer deaths among men. And it is theorized, and it would make sense to me, that a large component of this is HPV, uh -huh. is the human papilloma virus, uh, combined with the fact that uh, people have been doing a lot more anal. Uh, over the past few decades, anal has become something more common, mm -hmm. and HPV is skyrocketing upwards, and we are now noticing a large uptick in uh, HPV. Now, there are parents who are refusing to do an HPV vaccination for their children. Yeah. Uh, under the, I guess, concept that if the kid is not vaccinated against HPV, they're going to be less likely to bang. No, they're still going to bang. They're just going to feel guilty about it. And now if you don't give the vaccine for your kid, uh, it seems highly likely this, these scientists can't say for sure, but I can, I'm not a scientist. I can tell you. So in your completely non-medical opinion. No, no, no. The, they, what I love about scientists is, is that people have to die. They have to make opinions based on dead bodies. There needs to be a whole mountain of dead bodies before they can say for a fact. I don't need the mountain of dead bodies. HPV is increasing. Anal is increasing. Anal cancer is increasing. We know that. We know that. But this study, which is done by like 15 different PhDs, they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. we have to keep researching. Mm -hmm. we, we suspect it's the HPV. It's the H. What do you mean suspect? Well, we need more dead bodies before we can make a statement. I'll make the statement for you now. Use protection. 
people say, well, you can't get pregnant with anal. Well, you can die from anal cancer. So cut that shit out. Okay. So you're linking the increase in colon cancer or anal cancer to an uptick in more people having anal sex. Correct. And HPV. Right. So to quote the study, let's just like parse down what the study's saying. Okay. Identified state level incidence patterns, disease frequency, mortality patterns, associations with HIV and smoking as potential explanations for the increasing incidence of anal cancer and death. Uh, this study was focused on understanding cancer incidence and mortality, estimating the impact of risk factors on cancer, and identifying effective cancer preventative strategies and algorithms. Let me just boil that down and make it more compact. HPV, butt sex. <laughs> okay. That's your takeaway. But my question is, it's happening more in the Midwest than the South. Yes. So we don't, we why? Don't, we, because you we, would think that the people at the coasts would be having more butt sex. I would think the people at the coast would be more of a do it. The only thing I can think of is maybe they're religious and they're just having the butt sex to get into that loophole around premarital sexuality. According to this study, anal cancer incidence and mortality rates increased 1.5-fold in men and women over the age of 50. Mm -hmm. The most prominent increase over two-fold occurred among people over the age of 50 living in the Midwestern and Southeastern states. In South Carolina, anal cancer incidence doubled in women and the death rate tripled in men from 2001 to 2005 to 2014 to 2018. So, so, okay, so I have a question here. Yes. So they're all older. So does it mean older people are having more butt sex? N no. So they're all over 50. You were saying the increases were in the, individuals yes. over 50, right? So it's not the young people having the butt sex getting the HPV. No, no, no. It, it takes, no, it takes a while for HPV and butt play to blossom into cancer. <laughs> Okay. Is my point. So it's I feel that over 50 is right at that that cutoff point between we have uh, more effective communication in terms of sexual play okay. and diversity. People are on birth control and over 50 is when you've been doing a lot of butt sex through most of your sexually active life. Or you, you may have just started. We're not judging. Or, or, and you have not had the HPV vaccine. Okay. That was not rolled out. So more people are doing butt sex. There, that window of people is not actually vaccinated. And simultaneously, you have to, it's not like you do butt sex once and then bam, oh, you've got anal cancer. That takes a while to ripen. So why would I say over 50? Never was there e an easier time in human history to find effective ways to clean your butt, how to do anal play, less societal shaming. And people are like, yeah, you can't get pregnant. What's the side effects? It's fine okay, now we're over the age of 50 and we are starting to see a noticeable uptick in anal cancer. What this study does not have the answer for is why that specific geographic region. Mm -hmm. So it's happening everywhere, but it's spiking in the South Carolina region. Okay, That we don't know yet, but there's something there. So you're seeing an uptick. Um, I compare this to uh, the radioactive girls. When we first 
as humans, when we first discovered that you could do this glow-in-the-dark paint, mm -hmm. we started painting watch hands and clock hands with it. But we told all of the young girls working in the factory, in order to paint it, you have to completely over and over again all day long use your mouth to reshape your paintbrush to get the tip fine so that you can paint these clock letters. And then all of a sudden, whoopsie-doopsie, radioactive paint is indeed radioactive. That's what makes it glow in the dark. And all of these women started getting massive face tumors and face cancer. But we had to have women die painfully in these factories over this painting procedure that we didn't know. So there's something while anal cancer is going up everywhere, it's concentrated in that region. And we don't know exactly why yet. We will because science. But you're opposing your hypothesis that it's because of HPV. I, I would say it's HPV everywhere. It's not just concentrated in South Carolina, but that specific geographic region of the United States. And we're not here to say that all of our listeners are in the United States. We know some people aren't. But while it's happening across the board, it is more focused in that specific area of the United States. We don't know why yet. But science. Moving away from butt cancer and HPV. I told you it was a bit of a bummer. And we're going to bring it back up. I'm going to attempt can to you? bring it back up. Yes. Can you bring it back up? I can bring please. it back up. Because what I have for you. Is it HPV-free butt sex? It's not. But it's a medical study based on a Monty Python routine. Okay. Since we're talking about health in general, there unfortunately is a big uptick in unhealthy lifestyles, obesity, high blood pressure, heart disease, you name it, especially in older American adults. Yes. The study that they did was based on the Ministry of Silly Walks sketch from 1971 I'm very familiar with the sketch, and my question is, what does that have to do with scientific study about obesity and high blood pressure? What's what? What they wanted to study is if people walking in the manner that John Cleese and Michael Palin were walking in, in the Ministry of Silly Walks sketch. So vigorously and with great determination. Or just taking awkward steps. If you've ever right. if you've ever seen it, yeah, they're just I, I walking in strange it. ways. I would say there's more cardio based on that style of walking than the average. You are correct because when they tested this on a very very small sample set, it was only done on 13 healthy adults, is what they call them, six women and seven men with an average age of 34. They did three different trials where they had them walk around a 30 meter indoor course. The first time just walking how they would normally walk, just a general stroll. And the second two times imitating the walk that John Cleese did and then the walk that Michael Palin did. What they found was that, of course, the silly walks increase your energy expenditure. But the John Cleese walk, who what he plays Mr. Teabag, was about two and a half times more energy expenditure than just their normal walking. So what they're hypothesizing here is mm -hmm. for normal people just walking around on a daily basis, if you can start silly walking for like 11 minutes a day, just if you're going to be walking normally, just silly walk for half the time you're usually walking, you can increase your calories burnt by about 100 calories a day if... You just silly walk for about 12 to 19 minutes a day. 
12 to 19 minutes is a long fucking time to be silly walking unless you're doing that in your house. Like I take a walk every day. Very okay. health conscious me. You should start silly walking. Go back I and watch should... the sketch. See how John Cleese is walking. I... Walk like no, Mr. Teabag is what they're saying. I've seen you need it. to walk like Mr. Teabag. I'm very familiar. I know the sketch. I have it memorized. I know how he's walking. I can see how that would be good for one's cardio. And also, I would get arrested if I was doing that outside my house for 19 minutes. Not if everybody started doing it because they were doing it but for they, health. They're not. I see no one else doing the silly but walk. You I could, need to lead the charge. A lot of times, it just takes one person, one influencer, brave enough to break the mold and say, I am going to start silly walking for my health, damn it. Uh, I okay. walk a mile and a half every morning. I know. Oh, super health. That's you. Super You're all healthy. about the health. But maybe but I'll have to start walk? walking half of that mile in silly walking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We'll see. If you see me out there, if you see some random man out there in the street walking silly, that's probably me. But I'm doing it because I'm trying to increase my cardio. I can appreciate that. Um, I will. Uh, I, I have long limbs and I do a lot of um, high kicking while I'm walking naturally. <laughs> like no, a, no, no. Like a Nazi? No, hey, hey, no. I I high kick over fences okay. because I have a great uh, range of motion in my hips. Okay. And when I do reach fences where everyone else is going around, I step over the fence. I'm just picturing you in one of those cop shows where you're just like running through the back of neighbors' yards, jumping no, fences. And- no, and also, also, I refuse to touch the buttons to cross the crosswalk. Okay. So I I high kick up and I use the side of my knee. So you're out there walking like a rocket. Uh, yes. Okay. More silly walking I'm doing because I don't touch my hand. How often are those buttons ever clean? Well, I suppose when Rarely. it rains. R- 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 at an angle with soap? I don't think so. So I touch no buttons. I high kick up and I do it with my knee. For those of you just listening and don't know, rain is a huge germaphobe. <laughs> uh, not huge uh, <laughs> mild germaphobe a uh, moderate a moderate moderate germ- to extreme germaphobe i think that if more people had high range of motion they would also use their knees to press the buttons to cross the crosswalk and then less people would have colds and flus okay let's move on from you're looking at me skeptically i can see you you've got like one eyebrow up and you're just like judging me i feel very judged it's just that my normal judgment look some people have a bitchy resting face i don't my resting face is just highly judgmental noted well i mean uh people have said that they feel that i'm judgmental and i don't feel particularly judgmental but that is feedback we've both gotten Hmm. let's uh move on from my high kicking walks not quite Ministry of the Silly Walks, but I get a lot of range of motion. My knees go up high. I step over things. I'm a pole vaulter on little giraffe legs. Okay. Let's move. We're kind of doing a lot of studies. We're doing a lot of science. I have one more study for you after this too. Ooh, we here at the Dirty Talk podcast love us some science. Yes, we do. I have one for you, which is the surprising connection between income and uh, sexual orientation. After we're done with this, I do want to measure uh, because there is a measurement that factors in with ring and index finger length. Ring and dick finger length? Ring and index finger oh, length. Oh, I thought you said ring and dick finger length. Okay. No, ring index. Only one of us has a dick. dick that we could measure. 
Do you, I have plenty of dick, and I can measure all of the dick. Ring and index finger. All right, I, ring and index finger. Stop thinking about your dick for like two seconds. I haven't thought I know, about it I this know. whole time I was <laughs> talking this last sentence. Uh, <laughs> Pause briefly. <laughs> Rain found that amusing. I don't know why. I, 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 I was. Did you amused. breathe wrong? Did you I breathe breathed, wrong again? I breathed. I breathed. I was. So, I was. Amused. That's what happens when you start thinking about breathing. <laughs> I was amused, and then I breathed wrong. Now I'm dying. Okay, we're moving on from your dick, Jesus. Okay. A new study, science, has found there is a possibility that sex hormones in the fetus plays a role in shaping an individual's sexual attraction later in life. How much sec- people are sexually attracted to them? Oh, no, no, no. So your, your sexual orientation, whether okay. gay or straight. Oh, so who you're attracted to. Right. Okay, okay. okay. Uh, so they're now exploring a potential connection between parental income and the sexual behavior of adult children. Right, so your the level of income you have can actually affect the sexual orientation of your children when they become adults. Mm-hmm. Now, what I found super fascinating about the study is that there's a flip between male and female. So the highest frequencies of same-sex attractions were found in children of the lowest twenty-five percent income group. The lowest frequencies in the income group slightly higher than others. And elevated frequencies of same-sex attraction in children of the top 25% of the population. So basically, it's a high estrogen factor. So high fetal estrogen is a factor in both male and female sexual attraction in children of low-income parents. Conversely, in male and female children of high-income parents, high fetal testosterone may be linked to same-sex attraction. So basically, high fetal estrogen uh, is linked to femme and submissive roles in both female and male uh, homosexuals. Okay. But high prenatal testosterone is linked to butch and assertive roles in female and male homosexuals. Okay. Basically, low-income mothers feminize their children in the in the womb by adjusting their hormones, whereas high-income mothers masculine their children. So how is how is this happening? Well, so we don't know yet. So all we, we just like science. So the thing is, I've seen um, multiple studies that say that when a, a fetus is in utero. There's all sorts of effects. So when there was high levels of food deprivation at the tail end of World War II, and parent and mothers who were pregnant and had food deprivation, there was a much higher incident of homosexual children. There was a full generation of homosexual mm. children. Oh, okay. Whereas a response to either stress or food deprivation, the sexual orientation of the children when born could be dictated by what was happening inside the womb. Okay. So basically what this study is showing is that lower income parents produce children that have higher fetal estrogen levels. Okay. So it and might that, be because of nutrition. 
stress, nutrition, uh, comfort, heat, food. There are all sorts of things that would affect lower income versus higher income. And for the first time, studies are showing that the level of income that you have can affect what your fetus ends up becoming as an adult child in terms of sexual orientation. Interesting. Because in my mind, I would think that maybe the wealthier ones might be exposing them to more estrogen-like substances because there's so many pseudoestrogens in everything, in hormones and everything that we're eating, that they would get more of that. So it's strange. Yeah. I, I just well, think it's counterintuitive that I would think that they would be more estrogenized. Well, the people that according- had a greater accessibility to different foods or supplementations. So this was when I had said about the length of fingers and you got fixated on your dick for a second and I had to bring you back to index fingers. We've been talking about my dick this whole time, right? (laughs) The length of a person's index and ring finger known as the 2D, 4D radio. Okay. uh, A long ring finger is a marker of higher levels of prenatal testosterone and a long index finger is a marker of higher levels of prenatal estrogen. Generally, in comparison to women, men have longer ring fingers, whereas women have longer index fingers. So when we're done with this, I am going to go measure my ring and index finger and see what the ratio of that is, because I've always believed that I've had a higher level of testosterone, which, according to the study, is high-income mothers masculize their children. Mm -hmm. I mean, it would make sense scientifically that there'd be all sorts of... uh, genetic factors that affect just like we have this high level of anal cancer happening in the South Carolina region of the United States. We don't know why there's some sort of environmental factor that has to be in play. Okay. But anywho, so now you know that science is starting to establish that a parent's income has an effect on their children's sexual orientation as adults. Interesting. I'd like to see more research on this. I have a study for you that was- Oh my God, so many studies. This was published in Evolutionary Behavioral Sciences. It's actually the third study that this duo of scientists have done, Rebecca Birch and David Widman. They, for some reason, have decided they want to study nipple erection, which, I mean, it's a valuable Uh, thing to study. And if I were to get my degree in science- of course, it would be I'm going to say erect nipples. Yes. Of course, and of course. This is their third study looking oh. into the impact of erect nipples in society. What impact? What? What? The, the name? You, you want to know the name of the study? Uh, uh my parents paid for a science degree so I could spend my entire life measuring erect nipples. No, it is sexual and social expectations of women with nipple erection. Wow. Okay. <laughs> these are my favorite sure. science papers to find. Yeah, yeah. I love reading these science papers. They're I... so good. Okay, give it to me. What do you got? Okay. Is how they perform this study. Do they use little small rulers? No, they didn't use really, really and small magnifying rulers. glasses. No. No? Are you no. sure? No. Ice cubes? Were ice cubes used? No. They took 234 participants, both male and female. For science. For, for science. 
Take they, your they, shirt off. They didn't it's make their science. nipples erect. They weren't like, come into the lab, we're going to make your nipples come, erect. Come hang out in this cold room and take your They're shirt off. They're not like me who are going for up to random science. people on the street and be like, excuse me, I need to make your nipples erect. Again, I would like to make I it I need clear. to make your nipples erect for science. Do you have an Irish but, accent? You might have prostate cancer. <laughs> Bend over for me, please. Well, I'm done erecting your nipples. I'm going to check the butt. <laughs> okay, hold on. Okay. Anyway, wait, wait. <laughs> This is why you don't want to be in public with me anymore, because I'm just constantly doing these sort of things. Right? <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Moving on from the impromptu Irish accent prostate exams. Tell me about the erect nipples. Okay. So they took the 234 participants. They didn't make their nipples erect. What they did do was show them 12 photos in a random order. The photos consisted of six women with visibly erect nipples and six women without visibly erect nipples. All of them were fully clothed, and the faces of all the women were blurred out so that they couldn't make any determinations based on any other features except for just whether their nipples were erect or not. Or not. I mean, I'm sure that they might have made some sort of assumption based on breast size as well. After viewing the collection of the photos, the participants were asked to respond to questions like, how likely is she to cheat on her partner? How intelligent is she? And how often do you think she engages in one-night stands? What? What do you think they found? How intelligent she is based on how erect her nipples Mm -hmm. are? Well, just just by the person. They're they're not not focusing on the erect nipples. They're not telling the people what they're studying. They're just like, look at these 12 photos of these people. And then based on what you see in this photo, how would you? They're not saying, look at her erect nipples. They're just giving them the photo without any other information. And then after showing the photo, they ask them the questions. How would you not notice the erect nipples? I don't know. I mean, I would They might not know that that's what they're studying. Okay. Do you want to know what the research found? Please tell me. They found that women with visibly erect nipples were perceived as less intelligent. I knew it. Less moral. I knew it. More likely to engage in sexual behavior like fellatio. Compared to other people that didn't have erect nipples. All right. Well, my nipples are erect most of the time. Unless it's very hot, I tend to have erect nipples. So I guess that means that I'm dumb and into fellatio. You said it. I didn't. Uh, according to the study. <laughs> uh, but this was, the, the results weren't just from men, but the women participating in the study as well also rated the women with visibly erect nipples as having lower quality relationships and more sexually manipulative than the men did. So the women what looking at cold? the pictures. I don't the, nobody has any control over whether their nipples are erect or not. So so basically you're being judged for an erection. It's like you're a big slut bag mm-hmm. and you're dumb. You're a big dumb promiscuous slut bag because your nipples are erect. Because it could just be chilly outside. It could be cold. Some people mm-hmm. like me are frequently cold and our nipples are fr- so basically. Some people just have large nipples too that just look like they're erect at all times. Right. So I didn't know that there was judgment against people with erect nipples well, according like me. to this study, there is. I'm a dumb slut bag. Guys uh, that see the women with the erect nipples, they make an assumption that the woman's behavior and interests are into them, that they might be more turned on or that they are finding the man that they're interacting with as attractive because their nipples are erect. I mean, I know on our show here, we talk about like, oh, my nipples are hard. But, you know, my nipples aren't hard. 
that's that's part of the 95% lying. My usually when I say my nipples are hard, they're not. When I say that my nipples are hard, they are. That's the difference between you and me. That's because you're some sort of dumb slut bag <laughs> that <laughs> likes to give head. That's what your erect nipples are telling me. I would like to point out that you can buy erect nipple silicone shields that you can slide in mm -hmm. so you can create a faux erect nipple. Yeah. They have two kinds of shields. They have one where you put it in and you slide it and it covers your shameful erect dumb slut bag nipples. Yeah. And then they have a second if version. If you want to instantly increase your IQ, hide those nipples. <laughs> exactly. And if you want to lower it and you're like, I'm not dumb enough, you get the erect nipple nipple shield where it is faux erect nipples and you slide it over to help lower your IQ point and to make it clear to all viewers that you are down to suck some dick. Yeah. Like I said, this wasn't their first foray no, no, no. into study study three. Like they, I mean, There's so much that we don't know about nipple erection. That this we need is to, a, that we need a to passion find. project of theirs. They oh, yes. feel strongly about erect nipples. In one yes. of their previous ones, they found that men perceived women with erect nipples to be more deserving of help compared to women with unerect nipples. So I need to get those nipple shields that are full. I mean, most okay, so of the, more the time, men, like, men are more willing to help you, especially if it means greater interaction with you. If you have uh, erect nipples, they will give you more attention. And they're um, like, I will do things for you. Because your nipples because are Because your erect. nipples are erect. But the women who saw the pictures of erect nipples wanted to participate less with the women and didn't want to include them in their social circles. Oh. So there's this interesting – so the guys think the women are sexier. They found that the, that men see women with nipple erections. They think they're sexier. They think that that they personally, the men are sexier because the woman has the erect nipples. Because they're like, obviously, she has erect nipples because of me. Because of me. Yeah, they think that that she is more sexual and less intelligent and moral, and they want to do things for her and they want to spend time with her because she has the erect nipples. But then when women see the other women with the nipple erection, they see the women as sexier and they have negative feelings about themselves, about themselves personally because of the woman's erect nipples. And they think that she is more sexual and less intelligent and moral and they do not want to do things for her or spend time with her. So women are shaming all these other women with the erect nipples. But you would think that they would know, I have no control over whether my nipples are erect or not. It could be cold. Like, you never know. There's some people like me. I'm frequently chilly. My nipples are hard most of the time. I did not know that that meant that I was being judged by yeah, other women. Now you know. That's maybe why <sighs> you have very limited female friends, because you're erect nipples. I have... All of my friends are female. <laughs> I don't have any... I have very limited male friends. Oh. But I think I've, you would have I, more male friends if your nipples were erect all the time. All these guys you, want to do you things think, for you. Obviously, I have uh, I'm surrounded by cool, non-judgmental females. Yeah. But obviously, there's also so much stuff we do not know about erect nipples, and that demands further study. I want these people to study erect nipples even harder. I think that they are very willing to do so. Three studies in, it doesn't appear that they're deviating in any way. There's more erect nipple studies to be had. I'm sure these scientists will be willing to throw themselves on that nipple grenade for your knowledge pleasure. And I'm willing to help them in any way I can. Please reach out. You have my contact information. Will you wear a little lab coat? Of course I will. <laughs> well, I learned some stuff. 
And I had a delightful time, as I always do. Thank you for joining us, and thank our listeners for joining us with your ear holes. Yes, thank you, dear listeners. And again, if you want to get uh, every weekly episode, patreon.com backslash dirty talk podcasts. Well, we guarantee it'll be mm. worth your while. Yes. And also, we are giving you a recommendation to do more silly walking. Yeah. Please go out, silly walk. But yeah, our, our firm, that's our hard nippled guarantee. Worth your while. Listen to all the episodes. While you while you silly walk in the morning, no better yes. way to get some exercise. Listen to us in the morning while you silly walk around your neighborhood. Get some cardio. And send us some photos and then post it on the subreddit. We actually have a subreddit for this podcast, which hasn't been active in a while. Well, we should go. If you guys want to go uh, join the subreddit, the Turning Talk podcast subreddit. And say how much you enjoy listening to it's these episodes. there. And share some science with us because we do like science. Yeah, send us some science articles, especially about nipples. <laughs> yes. But we'll we, also we... take some about butts, penises, and vaginas as well. Or mice. Or anything or else. Or yeah. hostess Twinkies. You yeah. never know. Whatever you got. Yeah. Send us some stuff. I think that covers everything. <laughs> Thank you so much. And we will catch the uh, elite ones next week. Wait, wait. Jaunty salute. We, no, I understand. I'm about to do okay, it. That okay. was that was okay. a, Give us a I would okay. would I ever hold out on the John? It's right here. Shh, I don't know. It's fired up. It's in the barrel. It's ready to it's go. Cocked and loaded. It is cocked and it is loaded. I was just giving a shout out to the special listeners for next week. Okay. All right. Here we go. One science filled jaunty salute coming your way. Over and out. See you all soon. Bye bye.